What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, November 5th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we are feeling cautiously optimistic that our country may survive another year. Yes, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but a Civil War II scenario is looking less and less likely. Yeah, I still haven't fully exhaled yet, but, you know, I'm close to doing that. Yeah, just, you know, maybe let a little bit of that air out. Just a puff. (laughs) On today's show, more election results and then some headlines. Welcome back to another day of counting. Big picture, we still don't have a call on the presidential race, which, again, we expected to take some time. We're recording this at 8.30 p.m. Pacific, 11.30 Eastern. And since our last episode, we now have calls in Michigan and Wisconsin for Biden, bringing him to 253 electoral votes compared to Trump's 214. But we're still waiting on five key battleground states to be called, including Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, and Arizona. A note on Arizona, the AP and Fox have called it for Biden, but other outlets haven't seen enough yet. When it comes to the popular vote, according to the New York Times, Biden now has nearly 72 million votes, the most of any presidential candidate in history, and that total is expected to grow. Trump currently has a little over 68 million votes. But let's get into the status of the race and the vote counting in each battleground state. So Gideon, kick us off. All righty. So starting with those two calls you mentioned in Wisconsin and Michigan, both were called midday Wednesday as more mail ballots were counted overnight and into the morning. And remember, these mail ballots typically skew Democratic, so that's why we're seeing that shift. In Wisconsin, Biden is leading by about 20,000 votes, and then in Michigan, he's ahead by a significantly larger number, about 100,000 votes or more. Uh, More on the margins in a second. But the significance of these wins, even though they were much, much narrower than the polling suggested, are pretty huge. I mean, first, these are two of the three states that have haunted Democrats since 2016, when Mm -hmm. that so-called blue wall crumbled and Trump narrowly took the presidency. You know the deal. Uh, Biden had initially staked his campaign on being able to win them back, and this is the first proof that that strategy is working. Second, those are 26 more electoral votes for Biden, which further complicates the path for Trump to win back the White House. Broadly speaking, right now, Trump would need to win most of the remaining five swing states that haven't been called yet, whereas Biden only needs one or two more states to win this thing. All right. So let's talk about the remaining states that are still too close to call and still counting, starting with Arizona and Georgia. Yeah, like we all expected, the race was going to come down to Arizona and Georgia. So in Arizona, Biden is up, uh, but batches of votes are still being reported. And we just got some more votes from Maricopa County last night that narrowed Biden's overall lead. We're anticipating more to be reported later into the night and early morning. Now, I want to caution, it's possible by the time you listen to this podcast that a call could be made, but it could also take a bit longer. If Biden does lock this up, he needs just one more state. And then another one to keep a very close eye on is Georgia, where a lot of exciting things are happening. So Trump is currently up, but throughout Wednesday, as more votes were counted, Trump's lead significantly narrowed. We love to hear that. 
Yes, um, and that's because a big share of the outstanding vote was from places like suburbs around Atlanta and other Democratic vote-rich areas trending in Biden's direction. So by the time of this record, Biden was behind by less than a point with less than 40,000 votes separating him and Trump. Fulton County officials are saying we may get a more complete picture after midnight on the East Coast. So again, it's possible that by the time you hear this, Biden could take the lead, which would be a massive, massive win. And again, just one state shy of victory. Oh, man, this is just feeling worth it. All of the lack of sleep is really coming together. Um, But let's keep it moving. Let's talk about Nevada. Okay, so this is the one that's got everyone biting their fingernails for a couple of reasons. One is that as we go to record, Biden's lead against Trump is just under 8,000 votes. Mm -hmm. And two is that the state is worth six electoral votes, meaning that you could conceivably see Biden reaching 270 and the presidency with some combination of Nevada plus Georgia or Nevada plus Arizona and all the other states that he had banked already, which would make the results in the much talked about Pennsylvania a bonus, but not necessarily a clincher. And our lovely friends in Nevada seem to be teasing an update yesterday, but ultimately they decided to release more vote tallies early this afternoon on the East Coast instead, keeping us waiting. The Nevada Secretary of State said that the remaining ballots that still need to be counted include mail ballots received on or after Election Day and some cast via same-day voter registration. So the expectation I've seen from some experts is that they will be favorable to Biden, but we don't know yet, so we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. And then the other state in the blue wall, there's Pennsylvania. What do we know about what's happening there? So we knew that Pennsylvania was going to be slower to count. That's because Republicans in the state wouldn't agree to a deal with the governor that would have allowed local officials to start processing these ballots in advance of Election Day. It could have been a lot easier. Um, (laughs) And so as the votes came in over the course of Wednesday, we were looking at a lot of male absentee votes, which were disproportionately going towards Biden. That was the expectation. To give a sense of how that actually looked, though, throughout the day, the lead that Trump had accumulated on Election Day around 11 points had shrunk to less than three by the time we record. So a huge trend shift there. And that shift with more votes outstanding has Democrats looking at this and thinking the state is looking pretty good for Biden, but we should know a lot more over the course of the next two days. Now, Friday is the day that officials have said they think they'll have most of the vote counted. And if Biden wins Pennsylvania, he actually doesn't need any of the other outstanding states. Then quickly, the last one here, there's North Carolina, which is still too close to call, but Trump remains ahead. Yeah, so big picture over the course of the day yesterday, the chances for Biden to win the Electoral College went up, and for Trump, they went way, way down. Let's talk a little bit about how their campaigns responded to that new reality. Well, kind of as we would have expected. So uh, (laughs) Biden sort of threaded the needle in a speech he gave, saying that he wasn't going to preemptively say he won the race before all the votes were counted, but expressed confidence that it would inevitably go his way. Power can't be taken or asserted. It flows from the people. And it's their will that determines who will be the president of the United States and their will alone. And now, after a long night of counting, it's clear that we're winning enough states to reach 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. I'm not here to declare that we've won, but I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. There you go. Uh, and meanwhile, the Trump campaign has resorted to a series of desperate acts to try to either file lawsuits to stop the counting of votes or other sort of last ditch strategies to turn this thing around. Uh, in Wisconsin, for instance, the campaign said that they would seek a recount, but that would only take place at a point when results are certified and if Trump is within a point of Biden. 
So yesterday, they were separated by about 0.6%, which is just about what Trump won by in 2016. Did not hear as many complaints then. Um, And at this stage, you know, no one really expects things to drastically change in Wisconsin. In fact, in 2016, the recount changed a total of 131 votes there. (laughs) Then elsewhere in Michigan, the Trump campaign filed a suit to halt the counting of votes. And there was this video of a brief incident at a ballot counting center in which Trump supporters were yelling, quote, stop the count outside. Yeah, I, at first when I heard it, I was like, "Are they talking about like Count Chocula or like <laughs> the Count from Sesame Street? Like, what are they doing? Just counting? Oh, yeah. then let it, let them count. Like, they're, what are you talking about? They're mobilizing in full force against Count Chocula. They are single issue <laughs> voters, and they've had enough. Um, yeah. There's also a similar suit from Trump in Pennsylvania, as well as an attempt from the campaign to litigate a Supreme Court case regarding the counting of ballots received up until three days after election day. And then this one is fun. There's one in Georgia that is apparently seeking to bar the acceptance of just 53 absentee ballots in one county. Again, these are not really the hallmarks of a winning campaign. And as of recording time, there was no evidence that it was bearing any impact on the legal counting of votes. So mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye on all those shenanigans. But Wednesday also gave us some updates on the Senate where things were not looking very rosy for Democrats to gain a majority just yet. Yeah. So while we were all holding our eyelids open, watching returns come in for the presidential race, the Senate race seems to be a little more decisive in a lot of ways. So I personally am very concerned that uh, Susan Collins has won re-election in Maine. This was the opposite of what the polls had suggested. The last time Susan Collins was even leading was sometime back early in the summer. And this is obviously a big loss for Democrats because it makes the chances of taking back the Senate a lot slimmer. As we go to record, the Senate stands at 48 Democrats, 48 Republicans. So even though the inroads are fewer and fewer, it is still somewhat possible for Democrats to pick up more seats. The Purdue-Ossoff race in Georgia is still too close to call, wrapped up in the Atlanta votes thing that are still outstanding. Um, We're waiting to see if that officially goes to a runoff like the Loeffler-Warnock race already has. But if Democrats could force two runoffs, we still have a major chance to take back the Senate. We're just in the midst of a really... Really steep uphill battle. Yeah, so no Senator Gideon for now. Uh, I might have to take that mantle on myself, put the team (laughs) on my back. We will see. Any final notes before we go? Yeah, well, one, I would absolutely vote for you. But two, (laughs) there's still more counting to be done. So we're still waiting on more to shake out, which is going to give us a really, you know, a much clearer picture of this election. And in the coming days and weeks, there's going to be a lot more to unpack about how we got to these results, what they mean about the politics of the country and the future of polling. You know, uh, seems like we got a lot to talk about. But Mm -hmm. for now, that's the latest. It's Thursday Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we're talking about what else but the election. So Mm -hmm. we've talked through the results. We're feeling somewhat optimistic about Biden getting to the 270 electoral votes he needs to win the election. But it's not over for all of us. It's, you know, been a rough couple of days. So Giddy, let's check in. How you doing? I'm okay. Uh, I feel like I'm waiting to have some sort of release that I don't know that I'm necessarily (laughs) going to get, you know? Um, There there isn't going to be, like, some... There's there's going to be a declared winner, but I don't know if I'm even going to. I I feel like at that I'm just going to sigh and sort of fall asleep. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I feel like I I'm am not, looking forward to the sleep. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I don't have like a huge build up to it now because I'm just like, oh, here we go, dragging on and on. Um, but other than that, okay, you know, I think I think we sort of know, like we've been talking about where we stand, um, Senate 
looking a little dicey. We'll keep an eye on that. But otherwise, you know, we're going to end up with a potentially pretty crazy map for uh, the president where Biden's going to get a lot of stuff that Democrats couldn't get last time and maybe some other stuff thrown in there, too. Yeah, it's definitely looking pretty fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But same question for you, Akilah. How are you dealing with this mentally as we get to maybe the last stretch, knock on wood? You know, this is a great question, Gideon. I'm very tired. (laughs) So tired. I've been awake for a hundred (laughs) years. It's starting to weigh on my body, quite frankly. Like I had dinner and I I don't feel like I had dinner. You know, like I'm Mm -hmm. just an empty vessel waiting to find out (laughs) what's coming next. I am very optimistic, but I am, you know, I lived through 2016. Mm -hmm. It's not like I don't remember how disappointing things can be. So I'm just waiting for the call and then I'm waiting for the inauguration and I'm waiting for a lot of things. But I feel more relieved than I did the day before the election, which is good. Yeah, it's better to feel better once you see results than the opposite, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if they if they weren't reassuring at all, uh, that would be that would be a net negative. Um, yeah, I don't remember uh, what I've eaten, where I've been, um, and frankly, who I am. Um, that's, that's how the sleep deprivation is going for me. Yeah, we are definitely in the in the mix. Mm-hmm. But uh, just like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe. Stay calm. You know, breathe a little bit more today than you did yesterday. <laughs> and we'll be back after some ads. What today is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The coronavirus did not stop to watch returns come in, with new COVID-19 cases exceeding 100,000 yesterday. That is the most new cases recorded since the pandemic began. We are in a big, big spot of trouble. The Midwest, Mountain West, and the Northeast are experiencing sharp increases in caseloads, with 19 states recording more cases in the past week than any other week so far. And experts say these numbers will continue to rise. Then in Europe, countries are taking action to counteract their second wave. Italy will begin imposing its most drastic nationwide lockdown since the start of the pandemic, sealing off six large regions of the country and limiting travel between them. Today, England begins its strict second shutdown, which is set to last until December. The election brought some major criminal justice developments to some states across the country. Oregon became the first state to pass a law decriminalizing possession of hard drugs like meth, cocaine, and LSD, and to legalize shrooms for medical purposes. Woohoo! Uh, the state will fund more drug treatment and recovery programs on top of that. California passed a measure to restore the voting rights of people on parole and elected a new district attorney in Los Angeles to replace the current DA, Jackie Lacey, who's been criticized for failing to prosecute officers and police shootings. Good riddance. Um, <laughs> voters in Austin and Orlando sent progressive candidates to their top prosecutor's office, and Hamilton County, which includes Cincinnati, elected a new progressive sheriff. Several cities, including San Francisco and Columbus, approved ballot measures to create oversight panels for law enforcement. Voters were loud and clear this year. They want more accountability from the criminal justice system. Shout out Hamilton County. Shout out Cincinnati. God bless. Uh, (laughs) Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you laws, which is what rideshare apps like Uber and Lyft proved when their ballot proposition passed in California yesterday. So as a reminder, these companies spent a collective $200 million promoting Proposition 22, which will let them pay drivers as independent contractors and deny them benefits. The rideshare company's investment is already coming back to them as Prop 22's approval led stock prices for Uber and Lyft to go up by at least 15 and 18% respectively. I need to check my econ textbooks to be sure, but I don't think investors respond like that when they think something is going to be really good for labor. Lyft's chief policy officer said that Prop 22 has created a structure that could be replicated in other states. Uh, Stocks in Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, and Facebook also went up by between 4 and 8% each yesterday. So those four companies were investigated by the federal government for antitrust violations. But now that we're probably heading towards a divided Congress, it's less likely they'll be subject to meaningful regulation, which is more good news for investors. Anyway, uh, congrats to Silicon Valley making the best out of some bad news yesterday. And by the best, we mean millions of American dollars. 
Woof. Uh, <laughs> a 9,000-year-old skeleton is redefining what it means to be a working cavewoman. The skeleton's <laughs> discovery in Peru buried alongside a, quote, big game hunting kit has thrown into question the widely accepted belief that among ancient hunter-gatherers, males hunted and females gathered. Sheryl Sandberg said lean in. What she didn't say was lean into your primitive spear so it goes through the woolly mammoth's heart <laughs> so you can eat its raw muscles. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> a study published in Science's Advances yesterday, researchers examined the buried skeleton and compared it to 27 similar specimens discovered in the Americas alongside big game hunting implements. Of those 27, 11 were female and 16 were male, which they interpreted to mean ancient males and females in that area were hunting at about the same rate. Other archaeologists disagreed, saying that ancient burial rites aren't straightforward and being buried by something doesn't mean it's what you do. <laughs> I personally plan to take advantage of this uncertainty by being buried with a skateboard, an electric guitar, and a name tag that says coolest person that ever lived. Don't question it. Yeah, that's rad as hell. I approve. <laughs> and those are the headlines. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, keep counting those votes, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just lean in to your ancient spear by ancient Cheryl Sandberg, <laughs> what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and happy, happy Guy, Guy Fox, Fox Day. Day. Remember, remember, hopefully good things. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, then, you know, block it out of your mind forever. Yeah, forget, forget. Yeah, forget, forget Fox. <laughs> Could be the new thing. Could be the new thing. I love it. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tan is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Katie Long, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Doors take us to summers away. Or winter adventures. And afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.